30 seconds, reality as you know it will cease to exist. In its place, you will find a new dimension, identical to the one you left behind, only slightly better. Take a deep breath and open your mind to the magic within you. This is no ordinary podcast. This podcast is with Richard I've heard it said that the real magic is the friends you make along the way. Hi, I'm Devin Person. I'm a wizard and the host of This Podcast is a Ritual. And you're listening to a very special mini-series that we're doing to celebrate our five-year anniversary. It's called Talk to the Wizard. And today, I'm going to be talking with another wizard, a listener, a participant in the ritual that is This Podcast is a Ritual. Because it was five years ago, on November 30th, 2018, that I performed the opening ceremony for this magical, time and space spanning ritual cleverly disguised as a podcast. In that opening ceremony, I gathered with 41 other folks at Magic City in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, making the grand total attendance, including me, a very meaningful 42. And while there were 42 people in that room in that moment, I declared that the magic we were creating would go beyond. It would reach out through time and space to find listeners, listeners like you, who would listen to this podcast while they were making dinner, driving their car, living their life. But the ideas that we were creating would help shift everyone's reality just a little bit in a slightly better direction. And over the course of the last five years, it has been my great honor and privilege to speak to so many wonderful guests to connect with listeners and participants in person or online, and to really have my own experience transformed by this podcast as a ritual. But as we are approaching the five-year anniversary, I was going through some of my own stuff and wasn't quite sure how I wanted to celebrate this occasion. And I just so happened to get a message on the Patreon for this podcast as a ritual, patreon.com slash this podcast as a ritual from a listener named Star in Australia who had set out to become a wizard and was about to celebrate their 30th birthday and was just reaching out to connect, which is the point of this magic and this podcast and this ritual. And in our conversation, the term wisnotherapy came up. And I thought it was such a beautiful synthesis of my wizardry, my hypnosis, and the therapeutic effects that both can have. So I asked Star, I said, how would you like us to celebrate five years of this podcast as a ritual? And they said, wow, it'd be really cool to hear you do like a mentoring session or something like that. Perfect. Let's do it. And so I can't think of a better way to celebrate five years of magic and connection and dare I say friendship than showing how this works, how this magic doesn't just go in one direction. It's not just me speaking into a microphone and influencing you. It's us coming together, helping each other, learning, creating, sharing ideas, 
using that flow of conversation to create that shift to a slightly better reality. And so that's what we're going to do today. This is a listener on the other side of the world reaching out to create a new version of this podcast that I am participating in just as much as you are. And so we're going to get into this with Star. But before we do, I just want to do a quick caveat and say, this is all exploration. This is all magic. And this is all meaningful. And so there will be heavy topics that we discuss in this series. We will talk about death and challenges and mental health. And there are a lot of ways that people feel like we should talk about those things or we shouldn't talk about those things. There's lots of labels and definitions and how we have to approach trauma carefully and all of that kind of stuff. And everybody is entitled to their own perspectives and opinions. But I am a wizard and I'm going to do this in a wizardly way. So this is not meant to just be an example and say everyone should go out and start doing wisdom therapy on their own. But it's also not trying to say that this exists on a pedestal and only certain people can have conversations and help people find meaning and create those small shifts. It's somewhere in between. It's a paradox. And thus, it is inherently wizardly. So, today is not about healing or permanently fixing somebody or any of those kind of frameworks that we often bring to the therapeutic process. Instead, I want it to be about magic and connection and creating that small shift that I think you're going to hear Star experience today, but also you might experience in yourself just through listening to this conversation. And so you can get curious as this episode comes to an end, wondering, where is the door going to open that will lead you to your own slightly better reality? Hello, Star. Hi, Devin. Welcome to Ritual Space. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's crazy to be here. <laughs> it's crazy for me, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I started this podcast five years ago, I, I said in the opening ceremony that the magic we were creating in that room was going to find people that didn't know I existed at that time and bring us all together. And here it is pretty much five years later, and you are quite literally on the other side of the world. Yeah, I'm in sunny and windy and wet and rainy uh, Melbourne, Australia, which is a beautiful place, beautiful piece of the world. Wonderful. Beautiful piece of the world. I actually listened to the opening ceremony um, like less than three months ago. So okay. it's been it's been a pretty rocket ship ride to here right now. I don't I don't know. Wizard <laughs> magic is how it works, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're we're bending time and space in strange ways. But today we're doing something very different. So um you coined a term that I think is gonna have a long life past uh this project in this episode of Wisno therapy. And I am really excited to explore that with you because basically I am talking to people for a living these days. I, I talk to them on the podcast in one context and I talk to them in my therapeutic practice in another context. And we're going to kind of blend those. So my goal here today is to be your wizard. You get to be the hero and I'm going to help you along your journey 
however we find a, a way to do that. That sounds that sounds great. I I am usually the wizard, so um, this will be this will be new for me, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't we start by um, just telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, kind of what brings you here today? Um, so my name is Star. I am thirty years old, barely. And yeah, I'm from Nam or Melbourne in Australia. It's um, currently 7.30 a.m. And I have always felt a little weird and a bit different from everybody else. And I've always been interested in thinking differently and thinking magically. And um, it's, it's led me to like have some closure and a better understanding of myself in in ways that um have like actually saved my life i think and have allowed me to grow in a way that is like actually feels good for me and organic for me rather than the way that i'm meant to can you can you say a little bit more about that last part um how how do you feel like these things have have saved your life or or changed things for you um i can give you a, a, what i think is is the best example um i it's kind of like once you're in on the joke, everything is um, like the, the pain is less. Um, mm. So I, I, for my birthday, I did. I took myself away into the countryside for two weeks, and I had all of these really profound experiences that come from like extended solitude and reflection, and it was really mm. trippy and and cool, and uh, it was a like invaluable experience. Um, but then you have to come back to your regular life where it's noisy and mm -hmm. you're not in the beautiful surrounds and it's, you have this like whiplash kind of thing. And I took myself for a walk in the Creek near my house and I was having this like full on argument with myself in my head. This like, I was like verbally abusing myself if we're being on, like mm -hmm. mentally abusing myself. And it was yeah. really nasty and I could feel like my anxiety just like building and building and building. And, um, and then we, we have a bird here, um, the kookaburra, which, mm -hmm. um, laughs hysterically as it's, it's noise that it makes. And there must've been like five or six of them in the trees overhead. And they just started laughing at each other and it felt like at me. And there was just this like enormous release of B when I like, I, I got the joke. And I joined in. I'm like, I'm, I'm in this beautiful place. I'm so lucky. And I'm standing here and I'm like beating myself up for like, yeah, not like perfectly integrating this experience that I've had. Like that's craziness. Um, yeah. So that's, that's kind of the best example that I can think of is just like seeing the magic everywhere. And um, yeah. Yeah. And I think there's, um, that's a very beautiful example because often some of the biggest struggles that we have are with those parts within us, those voices in our own head. And from one moment to the next, your your outer context was more or less unchanged. You're walking along a creek, but your experience of the world shifted tremendously. And I think, mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe something we'll touch on more, but we'll, we'll, we'll see where this goes, is there's a paradox where if we're interested in magic and these ideas of seeing the world in different ways that can have the um, unpleasant side effect of thinking we should live in that magical headspace all the time. And why am I not always laughing with the kookaburros? And why am I failing and frustrated and giving myself a hard time for not being able to not give myself a hard time? And these loops can go round and round. 
But I'd like to kind of just jump in and ask, uh, what would you like help with? If you were, you know, like one of my clients, they generally tend to contact me with something pretty specific. But I'm just curious for you in this moment, uh, what feels like it would make your world slightly better? <sighs> just one thing. Um, <laughs> it could be multiple things. We'll, we'll, I, we'll sort through it. Sure. Let's unpack the trunk. Um, sure. Let me have a look at what I've got in there. Um, I <laughs> I would love some help. So I'm, I'm a chronic procrastinator, um, mm-hmm. which is um, something that I'm kind of constantly having, uh, trying to navigate my relationship with um, you know, needing to rest and needing to cut myself some slack, yeah. but also needing to have some discipline to get anything done. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one thing. Um, and then the other thing, which is maybe more appropriate, is um, I just I want to I want to be a better wizard. That's kind of what I've decided. I want to base a lot of my big decisions around. Is does this make me a better wizard? What does being a wizard mean to you? It means, it means like finding awe in things, mm. like trying to find some awe every day. It means gathering little pieces of esoteric knowledge, like a emo magpie, and mm-hmm. it means helping people and helping people by helping them see a new perspective, or or just like injecting a little bit of awe and majesty into their moment right there and then. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like there's kind of two tracks here. One is your own experience of remembering to listen to the kookaburros and find the awe and tap into that yourself, and then wanting to help other people with the same thing of being able to share the little bits of awe or see someone having a hard time and remind them that the birds are laughing with them, not at them. Yeah. 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 So... What gets in the way of you finding awe each day? Uh, me, really, but also not me. Um, <laughs> it, it's, yeah, um, my own kind of mental experience, emotional experience. Mm-hmm. There's, there's been a lot of trauma in my life that I am mm-hmm. only kind of just coming to terms with the severity of and mm-hmm. working with. And, and I, have, I have a guy and he's great. I have a trauma guy. Okay. recommend it yeah um it's good but so yeah it's it's me but it is also like the ghosts or the phantoms of other people from my past who have directly or indirectly like made me feel a certain way about myself okay what's a certain way do you mind being a little bit more dis- descriptive about one of these feelings sure. or um, experiences that <laughs> yeah kind i'm of trying to comes up when i when i when I say that, I, I'm trying to just like um, not just like shovel blame onto everyone around me. I'm trying to take a little more responsibility of it. But um, I don't know, just like made me feel bad about myself, or um, mm. like I'm like I'm lacking, or I am selfish, or I am stupid and <laughs> unlovable. All the, all of those kind of nasty, heavy things, yeah. I guess. Yeah. People that uh, it, it seemed devalued your worth in various ways. Yeah. What is your first memory of that? Going to the vault. It is. Okay. My first memory of it is. I don't want to talk about that, actually. Sorry. Um, That's okay. 
just because I don't know who will end up listening to this. Um, actually, no, screw it. Um, so my first memory of that, and I'm sure there are ones from before then, but mm-hmm. my first memory of that is I was maybe like nine and my dad had just started seeing a woman after my mom had passed away a few years prior. And mm-hmm. um, she was pretty self-absorbed and mm-hmm. all she really cared about was like making a good impression on my dad and kind of ensnaring him. And she didn't really so much care about the fact that like there was me um, there, mm-hmm. a fully formed human being that she was also going to have to reckon with. Yeah. And we had a little fight and I was, I was angry and I was upset and I stormed off. And then, you know, sometime later she came and found me and I thought she was coming to apologize. So I made myself known and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm here. Mm-hmm. And she just like berated me for making her look bad in front of my dad. And like, that was really selfish. And mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of one of the first ones that I can think of. Yeah. So when, when did your mom pass away? Um, I was seven. Uh, she had, you were seven. So I was, yeah, like year 2000 or 2001. Mm-hmm. And um, she died from breast cancer. So she was sick for a long time as well before mm. she passed away. Okay. So there was uh, extended childhood memories of her being sick. And then <gasps> she, yeah. she passes away. And then a couple years later, when your dad's seen somebody new, um, you're in a kind of awkward position of a nine-year-old uh, and having an adult kind of compete for your father's attention uh, mm. with her and, and is not there showing up in the way of I'm here to comfort and guide you, but I'm here to navigate around you. And uh, this was a moment of punishment in a sense of of being told that you were wrong for what had happened and that stuck with you. Was that right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's yeah. very much kind of what it felt like. It was also just like, I was really confused. I think I remember mm-hmm. being, um, and just like, um, when you grow up with a sick parent or sibling, it's very much, you end up with this sense instilled in you of like, don't rock the boat, make life easy for your parents. and um, you should, you know, you're all a team and you should all be working together to like, make sure that everyone's okay. So to hear that what I was doing was like detrimental to my dad was, um, devastating for me. Yeah. But I was also just like really confused and hurt by like the severity of the reaction, you know? Right. Cause I think sometimes there's a magnifying effect if we're if we just hurt someone's feelings, okay, that sucks. We don't like to hurt someone's feelings. But if we were very intentionally trying not to hurt someone's feelings and then they go, and you hurt my feelings, you're like, what? No, that's the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah. it sounds like what you're saying is that as a young kid, you internalized, okay, mom's sick and I don't get to have the normal tantrums and things because we're we're, we're all on team. Make sure that mom's doing okay. And so that was something that you were taking seriously as a child. And then this woman was saying, and you failed that you're, you're not doing the thing that you're trying very hard to do. Yeah. 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 I've never thought about it like that, but yeah. Yeah. How would you like to explore this feeling? 
I don't, I don't, I don't know what my options are, really. Um, okay, sure. <laughs> well, let's um, let's kind of go through them one at a time, and and we'll just see what sort of resonates. So I'm going to ask you a variety of questions, and feel free to give me sort of meta information of okay, this feels like tricky or like ooh, I'm getting something stronger here. Okay. Sure. Okay, so go ahead and close your eyes. And we're just going to settle in with some breathing. So a really wonderful breathing technique is to just breathe in nice and deep and be aware of that moment when the lungs are all the way full. And then push the air out. And when you reach that moment where the lungs are empty, you can just push a little bit more from the belly to just squeeze that last bit of air out and then breathe in again. And as you continue to breathe, just like that, filling the lungs, finding that moment where the process turns and the lungs begin to empty, and then just pushing that extra bit of air out, you can focus on the feeling of breathing and the sound of my voice as I talk about what this process does internally. So when we breathe slow and deep, we're activating our nervous system in a very different way than the classic fight or flight, which comes with more rapid, shallow breathing. And this just gives us a signal that we can kind of pay less attention to the outside world and let our body just tune in to these external experiences. And so you can be aware of the feeling of breathing and how the air flows in through the nose and out. The changes in temperature against the nostrils. As well as the feeling of proprioception, which is just that awareness of your body in space. So sensing where your hands are in relation to your head where your feet are in relation to your hands and just settling in and getting a sense of anything that feels a little tense or tight as well as anything that feels slightly more relaxed. Not trying to change or alter anything, just noticing. Just so we have that general awareness of the canvas that is the body. And as you continue to breathe, I'm going to describe back to you this memory that you told me about. And I want you to just notice where you feel those feelings in your body. You might notice these as physical sensations, as just more abstract emotions, and you might have words or images that pop up as well. Any and everything is fine. But I just want you to notice how it feels when you think about that time where you were young, you were nine, and you'd gotten into conflict with this woman who was an adult, but who was certainly not your mother. And you as a child were trying to be good, be a part of the team, not be selfish. And that was important to you. And when this woman came over after your argument and you thought you were going to be comforted, 
that there would be some sort of reconciliation with acknowledgement on her part. Instead, it was just more blame and attacking. Her telling you that you were wrong, that your behavior was wrong, that how you were was wrong. And so when you connect with that memory, where do you feel those feelings? In like the set, like solar plexus kind of area. In the so- diaphragm. The solar plexus. Kind of. Okay. And so just let your attention rest on that solar plexus diaphragm. And how would you describe the feeling that you're noticing? It's like, it's a little like fuzzy ball of kid rage rather kid than rage, like okay. adult anger. Yeah. Okay. And so we're just going to keep jumping from kind of sensory modality to sensory modality and see how this experience evolves. So you can have that memory as it exists as a memory, and you can remember that feeling that you're feeling now, that fuzzy little ball of kid rage in the solar plexus. And then just allow it to become an image. This could be a whole scene or just something that is lodged in that solar plexus, but you can notice the colors or just kind of what forms. And with all of these things, it's what comes up first is best. We're not looking for any kind of correct answer. It's just what that unconscious is going to give you when you look into that fuzzy ball of kid rage. What do you see? I see like a red apple with a bite taken out of it. And the apple is like full of worms or maggots or something gross. Mm, Okay. So it's this really nasty red apple and somebody has kind of peeled back the skin and seen the awfulness that lurks underneath. How do you feel about that apple? Um, It it looks like a really nice apple from the outside. So Mm -hmm. it just seems like, it seems like such a shame. It seems like such a waste that it yeah. like was allowed to get that bad. Yeah. And it's being devoured by worms. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not going to complete way. Something's That's making true. use of it. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. Now, Apple images are, of course, very powerful symbols and have a lot of connections. But I'm curious, when you just... Take that apple as it is. We're not trying to interpret it per se. We're just thinking about that apple. What comes to mind? What do you notice? It's, um, sorry, can you actually repeat that? It's, um, sure. My brain went a little fuzzy, went off the the tracks there. Yeah, no, that, that probably a good sign that there's some, something kind of powerful in this image. So just stay with you. You can just close your eyes and, Visualize this apple where it's red and it looks so nice from the outside, but that bite mark reveals all of these worms and it's not an apple any human's going to want to eat. What do you feel? What do you notice? What comes up internally as you consider that apple? Um, yeah, there's just like a, a kind of welling up of grief and, and sadness mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, 
like disappointment. Okay. There's a lot of feelings in that apple, huh? Mm. Yeah. Stay with them. Grief, disappointment, sadness. As those feelings come up, does the apple change? Does the feeling in your sternum change? What's what's happening? Take all the time you need. The the feeling the feeling in my sternum kind of goes from this like warm, hot to like icy cold. Mm. The the apple is still a wormy apple. So the kid rage is kind of hot and fuzzy, and underneath there's this icy feeling. Is that right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So when your dad's girlfriend said those things to you, was she taking a bite of the apple? I guess I did. Yeah, I don't think I wanted to take a bite of the apple, but um, I guess I felt I had to. Okay. And so in that moment, it feels like it kind of peeled back something and revealed another layer. Yeah. What do you remember feeling after this encounter when you definitely did not get the comfort you were hoping for? What happened next? I think I ended up having to comfort her and my dad, (laughs) Mm. Um, which is really messed up. Yeah. It's not really how that dynamic's meant to work at all. Yeah. Um, and like I ended up having to apologize for the way that I behaved. Mm. And it just, I was, I was just, I remember really just being like so confused about like why it had happened like that because that wasn't really my, like it didn't really fit my understanding of how conflict worked prior to that. Mm. How so? Like you said um, earlier, like we were all like me and my dad and my and my brother, we were all trying our best at least to be like part of the team. Mm-hmm. And that meant taking responsibility for ourselves, but it also meant like looking out for each other. And so mm-hmm. if there was kind of like, if there was conflict or disagreement, it was worked out from that lens of right. wanting to support each other and wanting to look after each other rather than like from this like punitive lens of like, well, I'm the grown up and you're the kid Mm -hmm. and what I say is right and what you feel doesn't matter. Yeah. So kind of a a rude shift there from even though things were hard with having a sick mom, there was a sense of we're together, we're working things out. And now uh, there's an interloper and you're being forced to take blame for something that doesn't feel like you should be taking blame for it. Yeah. And so that makes sense that that was confusing because that was a big shift from the way that you had been processing conflict previously. I think these moments where suddenly the world feels very at odds creates confusion. You know, do you hold on to your sense that this is something seems wrong or do you go with what the adults are telling you that, you were being selfish and bad and you need to own and confess to some sort of sin that maybe you don't feel like you committed. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a paradigm shift. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, you're experiencing reality in one way and then out of nowhere, it's like turned on its head. It's like disorienting. 
Well, let's uh, let's pick apart the apple for a little bit, and then we'll we'll see if we can make some shifts around that. How does that sound? That sounds good. So again, there's no right or wrong answer here. I'm just curious when you think about that apple, when you see it in your mind, what does it mean to you? I think to me, it means like, um, you know, it's it's something that from the outside, everyone looks at and says. Damn, that's a nice apple. You know, they've really got they've got their, they've got their life together. Like they're they're so they're all over it. Um, mm-hmm. and it's just like a total conflicting odds with the inner experience of what's like going on inside there, where it's like I don't, you know, it's I I feel like I'm full of holes and rot mm-hmm. and <laughs> worms, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, and it's this like this again. This like disconnect from the way that it, like it's just two different realities like mashing mm-hmm. into each other. Yeah. Now I'm curious. Do you feel like you as a nine year old boy were the apple, and you were had this image of yourself as a good boy who's trying to be helpful, and this woman was pointing out the rot within and you know, these feelings of sadness and disappointment and all of the stuff that you were trying to keep contained? Or is this woman the apple and she's presenting as nice girlfriend, but you're experiencing her as this uglier, more sinister force? Um, I, I think it's the first one. Yeah. I think it's more, I am the apple, <laughs> I think. Yeah. In this case. So being a kid and going through this loss and trying to be a part of a team and trying to do all of these things right and sort of present that apple. It feels scary when somebody's pointing to this badness, especially because I'm, I can imagine that there were probably a lot of these feelings of sadness and disappointment lurking somewhere around the inside. And yet there's a disconnect with, you know, trying to just be a nine-year-old boy in the world and not have all of the sadness and disappointment and ugliness spill out publicly. Right. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think also, you know, my, my dad, um, was, he was like really there for us emotionally during my mom being sick. And after she died, Mm -hmm. he was really, he was like really present and he really shielded us from a lot of pain, I think as much as he could. Yeah. And, um, I was going somewhere with that and it's just, I've just lost it. Um, that's okay. Your dad was very present and shielding and protective and helpful. By the same token, he was he was a um, he was a he was British, so he he moved here with my mum. She was she was Australian, and he, whether intentionally or not, he very much brought this like keeping up appearances Britishness with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of like, oh yeah, like you're allowed to be having a bad time, and it's allowed to be you're allowed to be sad. And, you know, you're allowed to, to grieve, but we're going to make it look like everything's fine to everyone looking at us anyway, basically. Yeah. yeah. We got we to gotta paint the rotten apples and put them in the bowl all the same. <laughs> yeah. Okay. How are you feeling right now? Um, like a, um, a mix of like nostalgic and um sad and um yeah 
there's there's also just like a lot of kind of grief swirling around. Um, yeah, and um, and it's this weird mixture because um, you know, my dad passed away last year now, mm-hmm. and so I have this like weird mixture of like uh, little tiny baby kid grief for my mum, yeah. and then like uh, twenty eight, twenty nine year old grief for my dad and which which is actually like a lot more than that because um when one of your parents dies when you're really young um you become really aware of the fact that you're gonna lose the other one too at some point yeah Mm -hmm. so it's it's like 20 plus years of grief for my dad as well because i was just kind of like i knew it was coming at some point I didn't know when, yeah. but yeah. So it's just like a lot of that going around. Yeah, there's there's days we wake up and at the end of the day we go to sleep and our world's completely changed. Something has happened, and you know after that point, that person's not around, or we now have a tattoo <laughs> on our back, or <laughs> whatever you know thing has shifted that day. Um, it's it's kind yeah. of a a ring you know like we pass through it and i think if i'm understanding what you're saying is that as a child part of you was always kind of looking ahead and saying this day is going to come and now there's a weird feeling of going oh geez it came i'm on the other (laughs) side of it yeah for sure it's yeah yeah it's just a lot of it's just a lot to hold yeah like um just a lot of like cosmic horror knowledge to just like be carrying around with you as a little tiny kid. Like it's just, um, it's just, and it's like, it's so heavy, but you also have to be yeah. like it's self-protective as at the same time. So it's just like this strange paradox in that way where it like hurts so bad, but there's also like a familiarity with it. Yeah. In, and like a, a safety within it because you've been waiting for the other shoe to drop for so long and the shoe's finally dropped. And so there's yeah. this like relief isn't the right word, but like, um, you're not like holding your breath and waiting for it to happen anymore because it's happened. Yeah, definitely. And I think with some experiences, you know, I, I lost my mom in 2017 and it was it was quick and I was an adult um, or, you know, it, it took not quite a year. But in that experience, I realized that the fear of, oh, my God, what's it going to be like in the final moments? Like, how am I going to handle that was more intense than the final moment. You, you were just all hands on deck, you know, like you were just there. Mm-hmm. It was very present. And then there is at least some sense of relief mixed in with the grief, which I think can be kind of a confusing thing to process on the other side. Um, obviously, everybody's experiences are different and unique, and I'm not trying to equate mine mm. one-to-one with yours in any way. But um, Yeah, that's how thought? it had always that's how it had always played out in my head. That it would be this like beautiful moment where I would be really present with him and I would be able to be there for him and let him know that everything was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just died and, um, yeah. you know, he just went to bed one night and 
you know, we all woke up the next day and everything was different. Yeah. So, um, so that day just came. Yeah. And it went from this thing where I thought I was going to get to like, have this like send off with my dad and I was going to get, yeah. Um, and I'd, and I'd be composed and I would, um, and it would be like, like you said, like this, like relief and this like big closure event. But instead I ended up being everyone's grief, everyone else's grief counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like, um, I feel like so blessed that I got to like hold space for my stepsister, my sister who like, yeah, it is, is my sister as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she had a really special relationship with, with my dad. And I got to like hold space for her and, and comfort her and um, show up for him in that way. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it wasn't the way that I always thought it would go. So right. that, was, that was also hard. Yeah, because you've been living with the fear for this whole time, but also some, I'll, I'll, I'll use the word very intentionally, a fantasy, not in any kind mm. of derogatory sense, but this image of, of what this moment you were looking towards and then <laughs> while you were looking in one direction wham hits you from the side yeah for sure yeah. i had um i spoke with my mom at some point where i was like you know uh, uh, my early stages of it were like i'm a wizard i should stop this from happening and i was like no that's <laughs> that's not how being a wizard works don't don't try and fight death you'll lose yes. um but then realized, okay, wizardry isn't going to stop this, but it's how I'll move through it. And I talked to my mom and I said, I want to do some sort of ritual with you and like, you know, kind of like a living funeral. And she was like, I love that idea. I don't want to do it yet, but like, I want to do that. And then she had a um, stroke and rapidly declined. And so when I was back, she, you know, had dementia for a few days and then was on her deathbed and totally unconscious. And movies and TV always want you to think, oh, they're still in there and they're listening. And I'm like, it's really hard to try and have a conversation with somebody who's snoring <laughs> and tell yourself that they're like, that this is the Hollywood moment where like, they're in there and it's like, this person is unconscious. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I share that just to say that, yeah, I think even when we prepare for these things in one way and think that we're going to have an opportunity to face it courageously, uh, life zigs and zags in, in weird ways. And I, I'm, I'm, I feel like it's, you know, you have the perspective where it's good that you were able to hold space for uh, your stepsister, but who was holding space for you in that experience? Um, I was holding space for myself. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful for myself as well because um, yeah. I am more death literate than a lot of people. Uh, in yeah. in the West, mm-hmm. and um, I've I've been death curious. I would call it for like a number of years. You know, eventually, I actually I want to work um, as um, a hospice counselor. So I want to I want to work mm-hmm. with people at the end of their life. Is is what I really want to do. Yeah, and and so, you know, I got to the house and he was still there, and I knew that it was safe to like go and sit with him and yeah. um, anchor myself in that really like primal moment of like mm-hmm. uh, like the reality of the situation. And, um, yeah. you know, as human beings, 
we're really good at trying to detach ourselves from the natural cycles of the world. And um, I feel like birth and death are kind of two of the main moments where you can't pretend, like there's nothing to hide behind. Right. So I, I showed up for myself and <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I emailed my therapist, I think like 10 minutes after I got the phone call and was like, I need a session with you tomorrow, please. This just happened. And yeah. um, she swooped in and we talked yeah. for like an hour and a half the next day. And um, my partner also was just super there for me, just without question. So yeah, it, uh, it felt like such a lonely moment, but also it showed me actually how loved I was by the people that support me, really, as well. Yeah. So it's um, to repeat back what, what you just said, you lived with the the foreknowledge of this moment, you know, my one parent died, my other parent will die one day, and I am moving towards that and had some idea of what that might look like. And then when it came, it wasn't that. But it sounds like you were still able to have that moment of being fully present in there. It was just um, on the other side of it, not not in the moments leading up to it, right? Yeah, I did. I um, I actually had some like pretty beautiful moments after he died with him. Um, yeah, they were actually like pretty pretty special and really profound. Um, and I'm, I'm super, I feel like so, so blessed that I got that at least. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I did get it. Just not in the way that, <laughs> like you said, not in the, not, it just didn't meet my fantasy of how I'd built it up for decades. Yeah. Which, you know, reminds me a lot of magic. I think anyone that's played around with sigils or tried to do some kind of magical thing is like, hey, I got something that was kind of like what I was looking for, but also not at all and weirdly different. And does that does that resonate with you? It resonates a lot with me, actually. That's um, yeah. enormously true. Yeah. 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 And there's two things that I want to highlight before we we move forward. And I think... It's beautiful that you were able to hold that space for your sister, that you had already gone through this as a child and you had an awareness that people who have not lost somebody do not have in the same way and you were able to be there for her. You were also able to be there for yourself and sit with the reality of that death and not um, you know, do what so many in the West do, which is shy away from it, run away from it, deny it, cover it in makeup. Um, try and make it something else. And I think you were able to call in people, therapist, partner, um, to, to support you as well. And it's, I, you know, as one wizard to another, it's really important to recognize that uh, the buck doesn't stop <laughs> with either of us, that every wizard needs a wizard behind them. And it, it's wizards all the way back. <laughs> it is wizards all the way down. That is for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I guess like, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I really think that my relationship with not just my dad, but also with death and dying really allowed me to have a really powerful, transformative experience on the other side of my dad passing away. And, 
and also my my relationship with with magic even though at that point in time i wasn't really doing anything with it but um the the openness to like unexplainable feelings and um sensations and outcomes i feel like uh really held me in the moments afterwards as well like when it was really really hard yeah there was prior knowledge and experience that you were able to pull on and activate in those moments yeah now one way that i like to think about wizardry and even magic to some extent is it's not so much about you know power and control and making things happen but it's about being an active participant in the story of our life mm. and one thing that i felt when my mother passed was suddenly she went from an ongoing process of being my mother in ways that were annoying and blah 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 to a complete life because it was it was over and all of the themes and stuff you know the same way that like when the credits roll on a movie and you go oh that's what the movie was it like mm. suddenly it kind of clicks in and so i think when something is complete we're able to view patterns in a different way and go oh that's how that all led together but if you you know if we take what you said a moment ago about wanting to do work in this field, that you are death literate, that you have taken on the mantle of wizard and you feel compelled to do this. If we were going to write a story about a death wizard, they'd probably have some early experiences with death or some certainly different experiences with death. Mm, for sure. What do you think you gained from those experiences? What did they teach you? What did, what did they do for you? I think you're one of the first inter instances of like us talking. I threw the word, I threw like the, the two words. I, threw, I said, I said, I called myself a grief alchemist, I think. I don't know if, mm, mm -hmm. and. I remember that. Yeah. And that, I feel like it's that. It's the transmutation of grief and, and loss and sadness through, you know, just like witnessing it and just experiencing it and allowing yourself to like, be the vessel and the crucible and, you know, all of it to, to hold yeah. these like unholdable things. Um, yeah. I feel like it's, it's that <laughs> it's, it's grief alchemy. It's the like noticing that if you can just provide space for it, it will change into something else given yeah. the right parameters, you know, whether it's time or, support or you know whatever it is i think it's different for everybody yeah wonderful i want you to close your eyes for a moment would you like to co-create a fantasy with me i'd love to wonderful so it's let's say it's 15 years from today and you are a professional grief alchemist and so you do what grief alchemists do. You work with people one-on-one -on -one, before, after, families. You hold space. And of course, as a wizard, we love to hear the sound of our own voice. So you give talks and lectures and things. And you're at some conference somewhere. The places where conferences are generally hold, some random hotel. And you're speaking to a packed room at uh, Ramada, La Quinta, or whatever. Australian hotel chain comes to mind. <laughs> and it's a good, it's a good sized crowd. You know, everyone's in those, 
not folding chairs, the ones with the cushy seats, but you know, that still stack and can move around and, and you're standing on sage and you're talking about this wonderful process of grief alchemy. And as you look behind you towards your presentation, you click your pointer and it brings up the most powerful symbol of grief alchemy, the one that you love so much is so near and dear to your heart. And it is a bright red apple with a bite taken out of it. And inside the apple, it's full of worms and rot. And I'd like for you to just go ahead and explain why this is the symbol of grief alchemy. If you hadn't said that, I would have. Um, just, just so you know, we were, we were, we were getting there at the exact same time. That was so cool. I said co-create. I know what's yeah. going on. Yeah, you know what's going on too. Yeah. Um. <laughs> wow. Okay. You know, when you look at the image initially, it's so sad, and like I said earlier, it seems like such a waste, and it seems like. Yeah, it just, it just seems like such a waste and it seems so sad. And, um, but that's a very human centric view of it because the mm-hmm. worms aren't sad. No, the worms are so happy. They're having a great time in there. And that's, I think, the process of alchemizing grief is when you're first confronted with it, it's unbearably, it's like, it's, uh, it's a true cosmic horror. Like it, it damages your psyche or it like, it shakes your sanity. It rocks your reality. It makes you question everything that you've ever, ever known. But given time and support and space to talk is really important as well. Yeah. It becomes part of your mythology and it is moment. It's like one of, I feel like, Significant deaths really shape us as people and mm-hmm. take up place in our like personal pantheon in our heads. Yeah. And can carry us forward and actually end up giving us like so much joy and, and laughter and hope. Beautifully said. Yeah. I think worms are a really powerful symbol of that because, like you were saying, you know, it's this kind of Lovecraftian moment when the veil parts and you see the real cosmic horror and how visceral is that biting into an apple and then confronting the the rot and yuckiness, you know. Again, there are these days where you wake up and you're like, this is going to be a normal day. And then you're like, nope, that's the day that I lost my leg in a car accident. <laughs> I never had a leg after that. And the veil yeah. parts, you know, like everyone walks around to some extent kind of feeling a little bit invincible or taking the status quo for granted and it's it's all on a very shaky foundation and pulling back that veil that curtain i think is uh kind of what a wizard does and the worms aren't bad they're not evil they're taking things that we are done with or can't use and they're turning them into new life there's renewal and rebirth because the the rotten apple it's full of seeds the worms are gonna make beautiful rich fertile soil around it and those seeds will grow and that's how we get new apple trees yeah they're just doing worm stuff there's no morality to it yeah exactly yeah it makes me think of um 
you you describe so well the like bright red exterior and it makes me think of you know like at a hotel that would have a conference of those places where they have like the totally waxed fruit that is you know it is just industrial fruit it exists as this iconic apple but it's not very tasty and it's not gonna it's never gonna get a worm in it because it's just gonna be disposed of and blasted into space or whatever and it's not part of that process where it's decomposing and creating something new and i think if we go back to this memory which let's go ahead and do that. That sounds great. Let's go ahead and, and see if we can have two time traveling wizards visit <sighs> young nine year old star. Oh, so they really needed it, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Let's take a moment to just slow the breathing once again, and just allow yourself to have the awareness of the here and now, the chair that you're sitting in, and the sound of my voice. And those awarenesses will come with us. There will always be a part of you that knows you're in a chair and a part that's listening to this voice. But you can start to think about just what it would look like to be there that day and see the scene from afar. See the conflict with this woman and young you going off to be upset. And then this adult comes and you think, okay, this is how conflict resolution works. We're going we're gonna to talk through this and I know how my family does this. And then instead, that's not what's happening. And this woman is saying bad things and devaluing your worth. Just get an image of that scene. You looking upset. What do you see? What do you notice? I think I really noticed the size disparity between mm. me and uh, and I didn't tell you initially, but the way the thing that I ran away to was uh, there was a huge tree in my backyard, and I, I climbed it mm. to get away from it. Okay, so yeah. I'm also seeing the tree. Yeah, the that's that's perfect. And so when you come out of the tree and you have this encounter and she says these things and there's a lot of pain and confusion on that child's face, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. And so right then we can just go ahead and stop time and our time machine is just a little bit of ways away. So that adult's frozen, but you can approach that younger self and just connect with them. And what would you want to say? I know that you want to be there for everybody else. Um, and you don't want to make your dad's life hard or bad. But it's okay to not be perfect. And... It's not okay to be spoken to like this. And you should tell someone about it. What does that child need? Like, like a, a caregiver who isn't burnt out and traumatized and yeah. desperate to not be alone. 
Yeah. And so you can just be that person for them in this moment. And just let them know that you understand. And what just happened was scary and confusing. And just let that child ask for anything that they might need in this moment. From you, from me. Um, I think they need to just like not be here. Yeah. I think they just want to get away from this for a bit. Great. Would they like to go do some magic with us? Yeah, I think so. Wonderful. How about we go off into the woods and find some some more trees? Does that sound yeah, good? Yeah, that does sound good. Okay. So, let's go find a nice space in the forest and we can just take a moment to be two wizards and a little child hanging out in the woods. We can hear the sounds around us. It's very appropriate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And just feel the breeze and the air. Let's find a nice clear space where the sky is open above us. And I, of course, have many things in my big saggy wizard sleeves and a little spade is there. And let's dig a little hole in the ground. And then we can ask that child for that apple that one right mm. there in the sternum underneath that fuzzy ball of kid rage the one that's bright and red and full of all of those worms of sadness and disappointment and grief does that child have that apple no no they shouldn't have to okay so can we put that apple in the ground? In this hole? Yeah, they want to. Yeah. Yeah. So we put that apple in the hole and I'd like to say a word for the worms. Word of gratitude. I know that sadness and grief and disappointment can feel really scary. But they help us digest experiences, experiences that are hard and extract something from it that's valuable and meaningful and changes it. And so I'd like to just thank these worms for helping us transform this experience that was confusing and painful and turn it into something beautiful and different. Adult Star, would you like to say something? I would. Um, sorry, I was just thinking, but I'm probably overthinking it. Um, thanks. Thank you, Worms, for, you know, being morally neutral in, in all of this and for just doing your job and keeping us safe or trying to, um, but you belong in the earth and you don't belong inside of us. So, farewell. That little child, that younger you, want to say anything? 
Say hi to mum for me. Okay. And so let's all three of us, we're going to just push that dirt over that, that apple and let it rest. And then we're going to take some big steps back and we're going to move forward in time, all three of us, so we can watch as one of those seeds sprouts and that moment when that first little green tendril's coming up through the soil and how that grows and becomes a little sapling and that just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and all of the branches are spreading out and it's reaching up towards the sky and day and night are passing, the seasons are changing and that tree is getting bigger and bigger until it's full-grown apple tree and we can see the flowers and buds turning into fruits and they're small and green at first and they get bigger and bigger and riper until that whole tree is just full of beautiful red apples. And some of those people will eat and some of those will drop on the ground and turn to mush and we'll give them back to the worms and that's okay. But we can all appreciate that. A transformation has occurred. Isn't that right? Yeah. And so now I'd like you to take your younger self and we're going to show them a beautiful memory from now of you being a wizard, whatever comes to mind that you think they would enjoy seeing and how that experience way back then has already transformed into something wonderful that they can experience with you now. What comes to mind? Where I live, there is, there's this like temperate rainforest ranges in um, a set of mountains. And it's like ferny and it's cold and it's Mm -hmm. misty or foggy or basically all the time. Mm -hmm. And... You can just hear the wind in the trees and hundreds and hundreds of kinds of birds. And yeah, and it's um, it's like beautiful and it's primal and it's like it's it's cleansing and, and good for you. And I try to get there whenever I can, basically. Mm-hmm. So I would like to take them there. Beautiful. So just imagine being there. You can feel the chill in the air and all of these birds all around and you and your younger self are just breathing and enjoying this wonderful space. Nice, slow and steady breaths. And you can take a moment to just feel how your body feels. Noticing where there might be tension or tightness, as well as any place that might feel a little bit more relaxed and comfortable. And then I just want you to check and see what feels different than it did before. Um, my my stomach and my my guts feel like relaxed. 
and um, mm. not all like scrunched up and tense. And my chest feels just like looser, less like mm. knotted. How do you feel? relieved (laughs) a lot of relief yeah i am an older version of me would be pretty embarrassed to have just like let all of this out but i don't feel particularly embarrassed anymore about it at all because i think it's I, I don't know, I've always kind of seen it as just like this huge burdensome thing. All of these mm. like like part of my shamefulness is that I'm like burdensome and heavy. Mm-hmm. But oh, it's but it's it's, it's human. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think it's it's everybody. And it's just that a lot of us are walking around and not talking about it. So everyone feels alone. Yeah. If more of us talked about it we would feel less alone. I think you're very right. I think a lot of people out there feel like they put pictures of shiny red apples on social media every day and <laughs> try and bring a shiny red apple to work and a shiny red apple into their relationships and then go behind closed doors and are just uh, a big old pile of worms. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think that's very true. Yeah. Can I tell you a story really quickly? Please. Do we have time? You can tell it at whatever pace you want. Okay. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're going. We're, we're, we're fine. Okay. I'm a wizard. I am the master of time. I say we have, there's always time for a story. Okay. Um, so it's not very far back. It was um, the start of August and I was heading off to spend this like two weeks by myself in Uh, regional Victoria, which is the state that I live in. And um, I knew I was going to be by myself for all of that time. And um, I knew that that would be hard, or I knew that that might be hard rather. And, Mm -hmm. but I also knew that it could be pretty transformative, especially if I like allowed that to happen. Mm -hmm. And I set an intention um, for, you know, the, the train ride out is, it's a long time. It takes a long time to get there. And the whole time I would just periodically like check in and I would set this intention of, I want to come out of this different. And I want to, I want this to at least start to, to heal some of this heavy awfulness that I've been carrying around for so long. And I, <laughs> um, and, and so I get there and um, it's it's the most dramatic landscape that you can imagine. Like the sky is huge and the clouds just like roll over you. And at nighttime, you can see, all the, you can see the Milky Way in the sky. <laughs> just, just, just stick your head out. It's just there. And um, it's like there's these, you're like surrounded by mountains. It's just like so dramatic and like primordial. And so that's my setting. And I, you know, I, I very quickly realized that the only, the only internet connection I'm going to have here is when I'm in the house, um, mm-hmm. because there is no, there's no, there's no coverage really around. And so I'm like, oh, 
I need to I need to download some podcasts because that's what I do. I like to go for a walk and listen to a podcast and there's this beautiful forest. And I'm kind of and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I really need I need a, a new podcast and um I I don't know, I just want something that's gonna be that's gonna I don't know, like help me with whatever I'm doing. And um I literally just like opened Spotify and it's like podcasts recommended for you. This podcast is a ritual. Um and and now here we are. And now we've just done all of that. And <laughs> <laughs> um and it's just crazy to me that, you know, I, I had this time frame in my head of like, yeah, I'm gonna come out of this changed. And I thought it was gonna be that 14 days. And I did change. But um it's just funny to me how things come full circle and how uh the universe has bigger and stranger plans for us than we can ever really yeah. begin to understand. It's almost like magic gets you what you were asking for, but in a very weird roundabout <laughs> way that's <laughs> kind of like what you were looking for, but also totally different. <laughs> yeah, and like maybe slightly better. I don't I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to to share that with you because it's just funny to me. It's funny to me too. <laughs> and I think it's funny to the kookaburros as well. It is funny to them. They think everything's funny. <sighs> yeah. yeah. So I think to just kind of bring this uh, full circle into a close, mm. you know, you will have sadness and you will have grief and you will have disappointment. Those are all going to be parts of the experience. And I, I wouldn't even wish you to not have those because I think they're important. And I think they're important to the uh, work that you have set out to do in this world. And so I really thank you for following the magic of this podcast and reaching out to become part of it. And I'm sure there's plenty of people right now who are really appreciating uh, their own experience of this auditory journey. Maybe they're also out in the woods somewhere on some sort of, you know, personally meaningful moment where this has synchronistically found them and your stories are resonating. And that, uh, banner of grief alchemy is, is is flying proud and mighty in the wind. I think so. Can I send a little message to, I'm sure somebody, it'll be appropriate to somebody who's listening at some point across time and space, I'm sure. Please do. Um, yeah, you there. You're um you're you're looking around and you're you're in the forest and um or or the woods or wherever. It's green and it's beautiful and um, I don't know. I hope you have a dog or some company with you because I feel like that's the best kind of walk. But um, I want you to look down and just pick up that rock, just that one right there. And um, that is my wizard gift to you is that rock. And it is a magic rock and it's going to look after you and it's going to hold you when you need it. It's a little, it's your little grief rock. And um, I hope you never need it. But if you do, it's, um, I hope you know where it is. Oh, everyone's going to need it. <laughs> everyone's going to need it. I hope you don't, guys. It's not it's not great. I wouldn't I really don't recommend it for anyone, but well, thank you, Star. Thank you, Devin. I believe in you. Your magic is real. Thank you. <laughs>